Let's pray. Father, we do, uh, once again, Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to study your word. And I pray, Lord, I pray that, again, as we, as we just like walk with these individuals and, and look at their lives and look at what, what happened and the direction they took, I pray that it would just encourage us that we would understand, and I know I say it over and over, we would understand they're just people like us. And they had to make right decisions, they had to make good choices, and, and God, as they did that, how, how you used them in significant and great ways. So I pray here today that, Lord, as we hear, we don't just hear words, we don't just hear a story, but God, we hear your voice speaking to us. And Lord, that you encourage us and, and motivate us and change us and, and just do what you have to do by your spirit in our hearts today. And we give you this time, we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as we continue in our, in our journey here, now we're down to Moses and I want us to stop and think about something. I think we all know this, but I don't think we consciously kind of uh, walk in it, but Life is just a series of decisions. And we either make good decisions or bad decisions. And, you know, hopefully, listen, hopefully as we look at Moses and begin to understand what's going on in his life, that it would maybe motivate us in our own lives as to how do we, how do we make good decisions? What do we base our decisions on? What are the things we look at? And I think that's important. Listen, I think if you're filled with the Spirit, walking with the Lord, you're gonna make godly decisions. If you're looking at the world and chasing after the world, you're gonna make worldly, ungodly decisions. Those are gonna influence your life and they're gonna affect your life. So listen, and then some people say, well, I just don't make any decisions. Well, by default, you're making bad decisions, generally speaking. Now, I know, listen, on Sunday afternoons and Monday, Monday is my day off, and Sunday afternoons, I, I tell Gaynell all the time, she'll say, hey, what do you want for dinner? And I go, I am done making decisions. I'm done, man. This is my time off. You make the decision. So I default to her. I don't just let it, like, hang out there. But it is so true, man. We need to consciously think about that in our lives. Now today we're gonna to look at this guy Moses. I think most of us are familiar with Moses. We know things about him. But listen, as we, as we get involved, if you're doing a Bible reading, it wasn't that long ago where, where we read this section and, and read about him. But if you're not, listen, if you haven't read this section, Exodus 1 through 14 in a while, I just challenge you this week, just stop and go through it again after listening to this teaching, kind of think about what's happening, apply it to your life and, and go through that. So. As we look at him, though, we need to understand, and I know I emphasize this over and over, but I think it's important. He was a guy just like us. He wasn't some superhuman being. He didn't have superpowers. He was a guy who had to make decisions based on what he knew, based on what was coming at him. So kind of keep that in mind. Now, verse 23 starts actually before him. Verse 23 says, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. Now again, if you've read that section in, in uh, 
I was gonna say in Hebrews. In Exodus, you know, listen, you know that Pharaoh made a decision. The Jews were multiplying. They were becoming, you know, kind of overpopulated with Jews who were slaves to them. So they made a decision, let's just kill all the males that are born. And he gave that edict. He told them to do that. You kill every male child. And here it says, listen, it says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months. It's not Moses' faith, right? He's not born yet. He doesn't have faith. When you're not born, you don't have faith. It's his parents' faith. And whenever I read Exodus or I read this section, I'm sort of blown away by his parents' Later on, we learn his parents' name or, or Amram is his dad and Jochebed his mom. And, and listen, man, as we, as we think about them, think about their life. They already had two kids. Miriam was already born. Aaron was already born. You have two kids, and they made a decision, a conscious decision to have another child. In the midst of what was going on, in the midst of what was said, they chose to do that. That blows my mind. And then secondly, the fact that after they have him, they hide him. Have you ever tried to hide an infant? And it's really hard, right? Those guys are loud. And so it's kind of hard to like tuck them away and hide them. And then, you know, the Jews have a bunch of mythology about what was going on. It's kind of, kind of crazy and out there and we don't need to talk about that. But they hid him for three months. Now it does say something interesting to me. I just find that and I think it needs some translation. It says, it says they hid him for three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child. Do you like read that and go, well, duh. Have you ever seen a parent look at their kid and go, oh my gosh. <laughs> like put that one back, where did that one? The parents don't do that, do they? They never like look at their, you know, and I, I have to tell you, last night someone came up to me. I, I promised I wouldn't say who. They come up to me and they said, we really did that. And our baby was so ugly. And I thought, golly. Like people just do not do that with baby. When I was working in the mines, when I was working in Bisbee in the mines, and we had this one guy in our shop that, that I worked with. He was a big old guy and, and his family was from Sweden. So his nickname was Swede. And he's a big guy, Swede was. And, and some, some one of the young guys had, you know, they had a baby and he was all excited and, and then he brought pictures back when he had to carry photographs and they weren't in your phone and he brings a picture, he's so happy and he's showing everybody. I'll never forget, man, he hands a picture to Swede and Swede looks at it and goes, that is the ugliest kid I have ever seen. <laughs> you should have seen the dad. The dad's like all beaming and goes. And then Swede just, I'm just kidding. I just wanted to get you. So listen, beautiful child doesn't mean that they're going, man, Aaron and Miriam, that's why we had a third one. <laughs> Here's what this means, they saw something in him. Now, the Bible's unclear on what they knew about Moses, what was revealed to their hearts through the Lord, but they saw something in this child. And they knew, listen, they knew that they had to take care of him. And then they protected him. And then if you know the story, right, after three months, they build a little ark, right, a little boat, stick him in a little boat, and just push him out into the Nile. Moms, could you do that with your three-month-old? Every time I read that, I think, man, there is faith. 
You talk about faith, and you know, Jacobet doesn't get a lot of credit. I think that's some incredible faith. Number one, faith in trusting God. Number two, faith in trusting that that lady, you know, downstream or whatever, is going to rescue your child. But she's believing God is gonna take care of this kid. I read that and I just think, man, now I know some moms go, well, I might have considered that, but that's because you don't like your child. <laughs> so away goes this baby, and Pharaoh's daughter sees the baby, rescues it, right? And his whole name, drawn out of water, Moses, you can get all, all that. And then I love it, Miriam comes running up, his sister, and she goes, hey, I got a great idea. You know, you found this baby, and I know someone who could nurse it for you. And I get one of the Hebrew slave ladies to nurse it. You'll be fine. The baby will be taken care of. How's that? And remember, she goes, that's great. And here's an here's a amazing thing. It's for maybe up to two and a half, three years. Jock bed got to pour, not just feed this child, pour into him. Give him truth and pour it into him. So, we have these parents doing that, and we see that, that God blesses them, God takes care of them. And then they give Moses to Pharaoh. And Moses was raised, I want us to kind of get our heads around this. Moses was raised in a, in a place that had to be spectacular. He's raised by the ruler of the world. Come on. And he had wealth. He had everything he wanted at his fingertips. He had privilege and prestige. He had all of that stuff going for him. He grew, he had the best education. He learned languages. He had all of that poured into him. Then he reaches 40 and he makes a decision and it always blows my mind. You have, listen for, so let's just be kind of generous, say he was with his parents for three years. Then for 37 years, the world poured into him. Hmm. Isn't that kind of interesting to think about? And then at that age, he makes a decision. I'm going to leave all of this and go for my people. Does that blow your mind? Number one, that's an act of faith, right? God revealed to him somewhere along the line who he was according to Stephen in chapter seven of Acts. Stephen says Moses knew he was to be the deliverer. So God revealed that. All of that is, is there. And some of you go, well, that would be easy to do. Really, it would be easy to walk away from all of that to become a slave or at least identify with slaves and being that man, it's incredible. So most of us know the story, right? He walks away and we'll, we'll get to more of that. But, but look at verse 24. It says, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and choosing rather. So listen, first of all, verse 24, I wrote next to it that he rejected privilege and prestige, because that's what he had. He refused to be called, and some people say the definite article's not there where it says, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. They say it should just read, he refused to be called Pharaoh's son, or the son of Pharaoh, which means, or son of Pharaoh, not the son of Pharaoh. And what that means is, he's the next in line. You're the next in line to be the most powerful man in the world, and you go, I'm giving that up. Now, Here's what I know, we're looking at this guy and what he's giving up and what he's walking away from, most of, us, most of us don't have that kind of, quote, pressure and that kind of stuff on us. 
but we have to walk away from something. We sang some songs this morning that had some incredible lyrics, and I hope we meant them. We weren't just singing lyrics. But hey, you may not walk away from being the second most powerful person in the world, but you're gonna have to give up certain things. That's called walking by faith. Moses decided to walk by faith, not by sight, and he walked away from that. He rejected that, gave that up, and then secondly, verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. So he gives up prestige or, or, or position, whatever you want to call it, and the second thing he gives up is the pleasures that he had as he lived in all of that opulence. And I love what, uh, well, it's good what, what the Bible says, the truth here. He gave up the pleasures of sin that were passing. You see, one translation say the, the pleasures of sin for a moment. People will tell me sin is not pleasurable. Hey, if sin wasn't pleasurable, we wouldn't do it. Duh, right? It draws on us. Sin is pleasurable, but what we need to understand, its pleasure is passing and temporal, and here's the whole thing. Moses got his eyes off of the now, the temporal, and put his eyes on the eternal. And here's what he realized. I could have all of this passing pleasure or I could have eternal. And we need to begin to look at life that way and we need to divide things up in life. There's this that is only gonna last, hey, even if it, hey, you know, some people go, it might last the rest of my life. What are you gonna get? I'll, I'll be generous, I'll give you 120 years. Most of you are not gonna make it to 100, but I'm trying to be good. 120 years and in lieu of eternity? Come on. And so he decides to let that go. One thing that sin doesn't tell us, sin draws us and tempts us and do things. One thing it doesn't tell us is that number one, it's evil and it's to destroy us. And number two, that it's fading away. No matter how good, no matter how great, it's all fading away. So listen, man, Moses rejects that. So think in your life. All of us have, listen, all of us have to deal with this idea of pleasure and are you gonna reject it or are you gonna let it get you? So he gives that up, and then lastly, listen, I think, I think one of the last things he rejects, verse 26, esteeming or considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Ah, now he's given up all of his opulence. He gives up prestige or position. He gives up, he gives up the, the idea of pleasure. And then he gives up all of this opulence, or you could say plenty if you want to do the whole PPPP thing. But he walks away from that. Why? It's just because he considered, listen, he considered, and that word for consider means he studied, he looked at, he thought, he you know, weighed everything out, and he considered the reproach of Christ to be greater riches than everything that Egypt has. Wow. Now a couple of people have asked me, and I think some of us ask ourselves, how could he consider the reproach of Christ when Christ doesn't come for 1,500 years? How could that weigh in in his life? Well, number one, first and foremost, Christ is a title, not a name. And it kinda, it's kind of odd, I, you know, and maybe, maybe just... 
It would might be better here to translate instead of Christ because we're so used. When you hear Christ, what do you think? Jesus, right? But Christ simply means anointed one, Messiah. The Hebrew word is Messiah. Not Christ, but Christ is a Greek word, and then we just, uh, just uh, put it into our language. So here's what you need to say. He considered the reproach of Messiah as greater riches than all of the treasures of Egypt. Well, you're saying, you're, some people say, well, that's saying the same thing, whether you say Messiah or Christ. No, they had a promise, and that promise started way back in Genesis chapter three. There is a promise of a deliverer coming. Everybody, everybody who's saved, whether they're saved before Christ or after Christ, everybody who's saved is saved by grace through faith. Nobody earned salvation. The Jews did not earn salvation. Hey, they got to stay in the land, but that wasn't salvation. Salvation is always, I believe that the Messiah is coming. I believe a deliverer, an anointed one, we could say it that way, is coming. I believe that, and I'm looking forward to that. In the Old Testament, now what do we do? We look back at the cross. They were looking forward, we look back, but everybody's looking at the same thing. This salvation by grace. So here's what he's doing. He considered the reproach of the anointed one, the deliverer, as greater riches. Now some people go, how do you know he even knew that? Do you really think Moses, all he thought was I'm taking a bunch of slaves out of Egypt? What was the purpose? Why did God, why did God, number one, make Israel, because he did make it from Abraham, we've looked at that, but why would he deliver them out of Egypt? Because he didn't want his people mistreated? Some people go, yeah, that's a good idea. No, why did he do that? So that the Messiah could come, the whole purpose of the Israel existence is to bring the Messiah so that we all could be saved. So he's bringing them out to make them their own country so they can be saved. And I'm sure he had some kind of, some kind of vision for that. So suffering the reproach of Christ is the fact that he's suffering because they anointed. Now some people say this, and I don't agree with this, but I'll throw it out there for some of you who are scholars and you're gonna go home and Google it and then say, how come you didn't bring that up? Some people say this, they say that that Messiah here or anointed one could refer to him, to Moses himself, because wasn't Moses anointed as a leader? Nod your heads yes, even, even if you don't know, just say yeah. He was the anointed leader of Israel at that time. I don't think he's looking at himself, though. That would be kind of weird. I think, again, he's looking ahead to the fact that Messiah is coming. So now we have, listen, and he gave up. He's looking at that. Now, you've got to ask yourself the same question. Is my relationship with Jesus Christ and eternity more valuable than anything here in this world? Are you gonna allow the things of this world to come between you and your savior? Hopefully not. I, I guess I should touch on this right now. It's not bad to be rich. It's not bad to have nice things. It, it always bothers me where the Christians who go, man, if you have anything nice, you know, you shouldn't have that. You should sell it and give it to everybody else. That bugs me. Number one, I read about a lot of rich people in the Bible. Abraham, David, Solomon, hmm. Richest guy in the world. Not a good role model, but a rich guy. 
But listen, remember he had wealthy Barnabas, right? So having things is not bad. It's what do you do with your things? And do your things have you? You know, it's, it's always interesting to me where people talk about, you know, is, is, it, you know is, it okay to, is it okay to have things? Is it okay to save money? Is it okay? And, and then it, you, a lot of times it leads to this. People will ask me, is it okay to play the lottery? Why are you asking me that? That's what I tell them. Why are you asking? Do I look like the Holy Spirit? You know, this is between you. You make up your mind. You're an adult. You're a big person. I, listen, listen, this is in all honesty. I have a hard enough time living my life. I don't want to live your life, man. This is hard to keep together, so I can't keep yours together. So people will ask me, they go, you need to make up your own money, and then they'll ask, do you play the lottery? Absolutely not. I do not play the lottery. And they say, why? Is it sin? And I go, it might be sin. I don't know if it's sin for you or not. It's between you and the Lord again. Is it sin for you? And I go, no, it wouldn't be sin for me, but God would never let me win the lottery, ever. They go, how do you know that? Because it would ruin me. Hey, if I won $300 million, whoo, I would not be a good pastor anymore. I just, I, hey, I'm being a little transparent here, and God has revealed that to my heart, and he goes, don't play, because you're never gonna win. And I go, gotcha. Now, a lot of people can get into the ethics and et cetera, and you just do that on your own, again, between you and the Holy Spirit. But listen, man, And there are some people who, if they got $300 million, man, they would do some phenomenal things for the furtherance of the gospel. It's how God has put us together. God has gifted me as a pastor and a teacher. God has gifted others with that whole gift of giving and and, and the gift men are generous. And you can just tell. You You can tell those that God has gifted. Number one, when he's gifted somebody with that gift, they never let people know. Number two, man, they are generous. Number three, Money falls in their lap. It's amazing because why? God knows they can handle it. God knows what they can do. So, you know, now don't go around asking people for their bank accounts. So Moses gives all of that up and he looks at all of that. Now, another little fascinating thing, little side note. Do you remember there was a guy we studied last week, Joey, Joseph? What did Joseph do? He stayed, lived in all the opulence, dealt with all of that, and it didn't corrupt him. So you get my point? So Joseph handled it. Joseph did a good job with it. Joseph was there. Moses has to leave it because they have two different ministries. Listen, God has called them to do two different things. Now, speaking of calling, let's go to this next one. We'll talk about calling a little bit. So in verse 27, it says, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, by faith he did something. And what does it say? He endured, why? Because he saw him who is invisible. Go back to chapter, go back to verse one. What does verse one of Hebrews 11 say? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence or the conviction of things not seen. Every one of these uh, examples of faith we have, whether you start with Abel, no matter where, all of them are walking towards something they haven't seen. They're trusting God. They're taking steps of faith. And here it says, listen, by faith, he rejected or forsook Egypt. What does that mean? He gave up 
the three things we talked about. He gave up that position and that prestige. He gave up the pleasure. He gave up all of the opulence. He, he walked away. He said, that is not for me. God is for me. He hadn't seen God. He hadn't hung out with him. He says, I'm gonna go that direction. I think all of us have to face that in our, in our walk. Now listen, maybe not to the degree that Moses is facing it. Most of us are not gonna be in a position where you know, we're gonna be the second most powerful person in the world, all of that. We're not gonna, you know, but are you willing? Didn't we sing some songs that we were willing to do that? Didn't we say that in some of these songs? And are you willing, listen, are you willing to forsake the things of this world to have a dynamic relationship with the Lord. I'm not saying get to heaven. You get to heaven. You don't get to heaven by doing those things. You get to heaven by the blood of Jesus. I'm talking about enjoying the journey. Listen, I want to have. I want to have life, and I want to have life to the fullest. And my Bible says I can. How? By trusting Jesus. And that entails taking steps of faith, walking by faith. Finding out, God, where do you want me and what do you want me to do? And you find that out and then you do that with all of your heart and maybe he'll move you on, maybe he won't, maybe he'll show you something different, maybe he won't. But you gotta start where you're saying, God, I'm gonna do this, I'm all yours. And man, you know what? It is incredible. Now I have people all the time tell me, man, I just can't figure out the will of God for my life. I just, I just wish there was an easy way. <clears throat> There is. Listen, it's not that difficult. I don't like people or teachers or books who make finding the will of God some mysterious little thing that you gotta do and you gotta work out. The God I serve is not a God of hide and seek. He's not a God who's gonna keep things from me. My God is good. My God loves me. My God is not going to hide. He's not gonna say, Pat, here's what I want you to do, but until you get the decoder ring, you're not gonna know what to do, man, because I'm gonna keep it away from you. That's not the God I serve. Here's the God I serve. Pat, I want you to do it so bad, just take a step of faith. Here's the issue. We have to take a step of faith. Some of us say, we used to say, if God would just send me you know, a video or whatever, now we're saying, I guess, if God would just stream me my life and stream it to me, then I would decide if I really wanna do that or not. That's what we're saying, because you wanna walk by sight, not by faith. You have to take steps of faith. And a step of faith, listen, isn't blind faith. You begin a walk, you begin a journey, and you start going in a direction. I personally think finding the will of God for your life should be, should be one of the simplest things you do as you serve the Lord. And when I got saved, I started serving him in different areas. Hey, there were some things I messed up big time. But you know what? I never looked at it as failure. I looked at it as, I guess that's not my gift. And you do something else. And you do something else. And you take these steps of faith. Everything I've done in my life moving with the Lord there's always the element of faith. Again, you gotta go back to verse one. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence, the conviction of things not seen. I have never, everything I've done, even big major decisions in my life, I've never been 100% sure. I've never known this is it. Now I can look back and say, oh, that was it, totally. But going into it, 
There's been times maybe where I had like 80% confidence, but there's still that 20% of faith. Because later on in verse four, what does he say? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So you gotta do that faith and and you gotta step out in faith and, and you gotta trust him. God is not, listen, and if you make a wrong move, you're not gonna go off the end of the world. That's what some people say. Well, what if I start going and I do the wrong thing? Is God gonna abandon me? Yeah, I guess if that's a God you serve, that's not the God I serve. My God is gonna, here's what my God does. He's kind of, he's kind of, he's a little bit rough. He like picks me up, dusts me off, says rub a little dirt on it, let's keep going. Kind of type thing. He says, hey, you made a mistake, it's okay. Listen, we have this fear because here's the thing. We want to approve what God wants us to do. It's not about us approving it. It's about us accepting and walking. And it's not even about us accepting. I guess it's about us kind of accepting in a way that we're gonna do it. But he's not looking for you to say, okay, God, check. He's looking for you to move, to do something. And so now we have Moses here. And here's the thing. Read again. It says, by faith he forsook Egypt. Now, here's the key and why a lot of us don't do it. Not fearing the wrath of the king. You see, a lot of us, we're motivated by fear instead of faith. And we even sang that in a song, right? Didn't we sing it? Or was I the only one? Wasn't there, wasn't there a line in there that said, I speak to my fear, right? Wasn't that? That was in there, right? Nod your heads. See, here's the thing. I don't think I've ever done anything in ministry where there wasn't some fear involved, where there wasn't some doubt involved, because that's what faith is. You have to choose faith over those things, and you have to say, yeah, I'm a little bit scared, or I am really scared. Don't you think Moses was a little bit scared? Don't you think he was like a l- way overwhelmed as he began? Hey, do you remember what happened to him? He went out, it says, and again, according to Stephen, he knew he was a deliverer. He went out, two Jews are fighting, right? Two Hebrews are, I'm sorry, uh, 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 Egyptians mistreating a Hebrew, right? And he kills the guy and stuffs him in the sand. That's a little weird. And then the next day he goes out and there's two Jews, two Hebrews fighting. And he goes, what are you guys doing? Your brothers knocked it off. And do you remember what they said? <clears throat> You're gonna kill us like you killed that Egyptian? And we'll get back to this in a minute, but do you remember what happened? It says, he was afraid of Pharaoh and he ran. So we're gonna talk, because this says he didn't go by fear, but he took off. Now, do you know how hard that had to be for him? Do you know that 40 years hanging out, feeding sheep, hanging out in the wilderness, Don't you know what's going through his mind? All of the doubts, all of the questions, all of the things like what on earth is going on? That's a long time to wait to hear from God, isn't it? And he's waiting and here's what he knows. I know I'm supposed to do something and I think it's a whole bunch more than just feeding sheep. But man, God's not letting me know. And then God shows up, talks to him right in the bush. We know the whole bush scene and and, uh, can get talked to certain bushes, but... Some of you will get that on the way home. But listen, man, he's there. He's dealing with that whole scene. Then he argues with God. Right? You know what, what cracks me up is one argument. This is for free for you guys. His one argument, do you remember when he tells God, I can't speak? Right? I'm not. Dude, 
You were raised in languages. Come on, man. You had the best education. What do you mean you can't speak? Here's what I believe he was saying. I don't want to do that. And he argued with God. God said, yes, you can. No, I can't. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Yes, you can. No, I can't. All right, go get your brother Aaron. If I were God, I would have just offed him there. Like, why do you have to go through Moses to Aaron? If Aaron's gonna do the talking, just use Aaron. Just get rid of Moses. You don't even need him. But anyway, they go, right? They go, and he represents the Lord. And do you remember what the Lord said to him? This is something to hide in your heart. Do you remember what the Lord said to him? Moses says, hey, when I go back, who do I say sent me? And he says, I am. Do a study on that. Listen, God wasn't just saying, I am that I exist. God was saying, I am to everything you're not. I am, man, I love that. I just love that whole idea. And it settled his heart. Then he goes back to the people. You talk about having doubts? He goes back to the people. And the people are, woohoo, Moses, our deliverers here. Remember how excited they got? Have you read it? Yes! And then he goes to Pharaoh and he says, hey, Pharaoh, let my, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh goes, who is God? Who is this I am that I should bow to him? I've heard of a lot of gods, but I haven't heard of that one. This is paraphrased. And he goes, I'm not gonna do anything he says. Get out of here. And you know what? Now you've really made me mad. So the people, they still have to make the same amount of bricks, but I'm not giving them any stinking straw for their bricks. They can go get their own straw. And then that gets down to the people. What did the people tell Moses? Do you remember? All of a sudden it went from, woohoo, you're here, to we hate you. What are you doing here? Get out of here. Look at the trouble you've caused. You come with your big ideas. You're telling us we're gonna be delivered. And now look at what happens. Just go back to the sheep you came from. And they're all upset. And then we go through the nine plagues. And then it says God delivered them. So how did he leave? Again, getting back to verse 27. It says, it says listen, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You see, here's the important thing. He left Egypt twice. First time, yeah, it seems like he left in fear. Not the second time. The second time he left with everybody and he walked out. So I think that's what it's referencing and the fact that he came back. But let's get to this, verse 29. By faith he kept, or it's written again in the tense, he kept keeping the Passover, the sprinkling of the blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. So you had the nine plagues, right? The whole idea of, of fighting with the gods and, and God proving that he's greater than any Egyptian god. And you can go through, look at all the plagues, look at the background, look at what's going on. And then the final one, the final god that God defeated was Pharaoh himself as God. And he says this, man, God says, I'm gonna kill all the firstborn. And then he tells Moses, all you have to do, pretend you don't know anything else. Us, not Moses. All you have to do is get a lamb, kill it, bleed it, and get some hyssop and paint that blood on your doorpost. You'll be fine. Those guys had not read ahead. They didn't know the, I mean, think about, just stop and think about that for a moment. Think about Moses even trying to present that. That's a bizarre, that's a weird, bizarre idea to do. Seriously? Like you think painting a little blood with a, with a bush is going to save us? Uh-huh. 
Why do you think that? Because that's what God said to do. The I am. Ah, I don't know, Moses. Whenever I read that personally, I think, man, I'm glad I was the younger brother. <laughs> Tell my big brother, sorry, bro. If we don't do the paint on the door, you're it. But think about, here's what I believe with all my heart. Didn't matter who painted the blood on the doorpost, they would be saved. If Egyptians took and did that, they would have been saved because that's what God said. And when you think about them doing it and Moses convincing them and, and then, do you know, we talk about fear, do you know how much fear and anguish there was as night fell? As you start hearing the screams and the cries of everybody around you, is this really gonna work? This is just, I'm gonna use the S word, this is just like the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. It's like, why, why would this work? But it did. It did, and Moses kept it. That's, that is faith. That is trusting God, I think, to the ultimate and to the limit. And they trust God, and it says, listen, man, the destroyer didn't destroy them, and they made it through. When, when, when I was doing a pottery presentation in Australia, we were in a, in a school, a high school in Sydney. I'll never forget this. It was, it was like a really bad day. It was a hard day, and uh, just things going on, and things I had to do. But I get to this school, and check this out. This is in Australia. This is a high school. They have a Bible class in their high school. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? A country or a place that was founded as a prison colony allows Bibles in their school and allows it to be taught. We could learn something, huh? So they have a Bible class, and here's the thing. There was like over 700 students in this school. Most of them took the Bible class, and it was an elective. And these aren't sweet little Christian kids. Listen, I did the presentation in a Christian school. It was not very well received. I did the presentation with these kids. They listened, they watched, they were polite, they dialogued a little bit. Some of them would ask me, how come you came to Australia to do this? Because they want to hear you talk. Because they think you have an accent. I told them they had the accent. They go, no, 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 man, you're in our country. You have the accent. And so they kept having me talk. And, and so why did you come here and do this? And I said, because we can't do this in America. I can't go to a high school and do the pottery presentation. And, and they said, seriously? These are heathen teenagers. Here's what they would say. What are they afraid of? Is that amazing? What are they afraid of? And I said, well, you might call Congress and ask them. I don't know. And then their next, their next sentence was this. Doesn't your money have in God we trust? Ours don't. I go, yeah, it does. They were just put off by that whole idea. But all of that, all of that to see this. As I got to the school, they said, hey, it's on, I think it was on the second floor of the classroom, and you just go down a hallway and it's room 310 or something or whatever it was. And I'm going down this hallway. I'll never forget this. I get, and I kind of I kind of turned a little bit. There was a corner, and I look, and here's a room, and the doorpost is painted red. Hmm. And above it, it said John 3.16. I thought, that must be the Bible class. <laughs> right? How cool is that? And they're doing that. So paint your doorpost red, I guess, as you go home. You know, everybody do that. But they did that. Listen, 
and they were safe. And then verse 29 says this, by faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Oh. Now, this disturbs me a little bit because it says they. Have you read Exodus 14? Do you remember when everybody's leaving Egypt? All the Egyptians give them all their stuff. Everybody's, woohoo! Yes, we're getting out of Egypt. Everybody's excited. They're celebrating. Moses, we love you. This is great. This is awesome. And then they come to the Red Sea and they look behind them and here's the Egyptian army and they're going, we hate you. What did you bring us out here for, right? Do you remember what they said? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt for us to die there that you're bringing us out here in this godforsaken place to die? I'm exaggerating a little bit, but they were like freaked out and they are so mad at Moses. And here's what I'm thinking. Moses is thinking, I'm kind of thinking the same thing. Like, this is like freaking me out. You think it's freaking you out? This is really like freaking, because this was not, this was not in the script I got. But I love what he says. Listen, you can, you can read it for yourself, but in the original language, if you go back to the Hebrew, and then you just literally translate it, here's what Moses says. Chill out. So you're going, no. Yeah, I exaggerate a little bit. But what does he say? He says, chill out. Listen, chill out. God has got this. What's he gonna do? I have no idea what he's gonna do, but he did not bring us here to die. And then, then I think faith comes because the sea parts, right? And you have walls of water. That had to be like the freakiest thing. I hope when we get to heaven, we can replace some of these things because that had to be so freaky, man. Walls of water on each side. Now, now here's where faith comes in. Okay, let's cross. You first. Right? I mean, think about that. Stepping into that, that had to be like the scariest thing ever. So they did, by faith, Crossed through as in dry land, and then it covered up the Egyptian army and drowned them. Now, there are those, the skeptics, the, you know, the haters, and et cetera. Well, you know, it wasn't really the Red Sea. It was the Sea of Reeds, and it's only two feet high, and all they did was wade through the water. When people do that to me, number one, I get a little put out because they're not, they're not knowing what they're talking about. But number two, here's what I just say. Well, then God did a miracle because he drowned the entire Egyptian army in two feet of water. So either way, either way, you got a miracle. So I don't care, you know, you can, you can do that if you want, but it still, there's a miracle goes on. Now, listen, here's the interesting thing. Check out, we, we won't do this verse, but I just want to read it. Verse 30, 29 to 30. So 29, we're crossing the Red Sea. 30, it says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. What's missing? You go from the Red Sea to by faith, the walls of Jericho came down. What's missing? About 40 years. Why are those 40 years not even mentioned? God did miracles during those 40 years. God did some incredible things. Why is that not even mentioned? Because it was not a time of faith for Israel. It was a time of doubt. And they were put in time out by God for 40 years because they didn't trust him. So they just wandered around. So that's why that's missing. Now, back to kind of bring all this together. Saints, are you looking at circumstances? Are you looking at your temporal things around you? 
Are you letting those things govern the decisions you make day by day? Or are you looking to heaven and understanding what God has for you and understanding the direction and making your decisions day by day based on that? Listen, you're still gonna walk through. I, I, don't, I don't like the idea, hey, if you just follow God, you find God's will for your life, you're gonna have a bed of roses, it's all gonna be, no. I've had really difficult situations and circumstances come into my life, but I thank God that I chose to follow him because you know what? He walks with me through those. And he's there, and he's faithful. Oh, he doesn't, listen, he doesn't take them away. There's some that I wished he would have. There's things that I've gone through that I just think, God, why did I have to go through that? And I think I'm alike everybody else. This isn't fair. God says, seriously? Like, you're gonna pull that card. But we do that, don't we? But saints, let's trust him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the conviction or evidence of things not seen. Make your decisions based on him, his word, what he has shown you. Even, I think some of it can be subjective. God has shown me things that I made decisions on that aren't scriptural, that aren't in, but he's shown them and I make decisions. Follow him and walk with him. I don't think you'll ever regret it. Hey, like I said, I've gone through very difficult things. I don't regret any decision I've made walking with the Lord. Ever. Even when it was hard, even when it was difficult, even when it didn't seem fair, I don't regret that. So let's be Moses's and let's make good decisions. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I do thank you. I thank you, God, just for the challenge that we have here as we, as we just look at this individual and Lord, again, it's not, it's not about superhuman beings. It's not about super saints. It's about a man who made decisions based on how you worked in his life, based on evidence that he had in front of him, but he still had to make them by faith. He trusted the unseen greater than he trusted the seen. So often people will say, man, you're leaving everything for nothing, and the reality is you're leaving nothing for everything. And let us get that in our hearts, and let us know that, God, you are everything, just like you revealed to Moses. So I pray, I pray for myself, I pray for my brothers and sisters, that as we think about this and we, we hear this, that we would make decisions based on your word, based on our relationship with you, and then, God, we would not let fear take over. But we would speak to that fear. We would preach to that doubt. We would trust you and know that, God, you are faithful always. Touch our hearts, Lord. And I'm gonna ask everybody to stay in an attitude of prayer. And if you are here today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, you've never asked him to forgive your sin, today is the day of salvation. Right now is the time to do that. Just call on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, and you will be saved. And here's what that means. You simply have to come to God humbly. Come to him, let him know that you know you're a sinner. You're not giving him information. You're letting him know that you know you're a sinner. That's called confession. And then ask him to forgive you. Jesus Christ went to the cross to pay for your sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's not necessarily physical. That can be spiritual, separation from God. 
But he says, that's the wages of sin. Jesus paid that on the cross. Yes, he died physical, but greater than that, he was separated from the Father for you and for me. He paid for all, all the sin. All you have to do is accept that. And if you accept that, you'll be born again. And you will begin this journey we're talking about by faith. It's going to take faith to believe that that actually will save you. So exercise that this morning. Exercise something that happened 2,000 years ago and put your faith that that is going to save you and trust in that. So if you want to do that, I'm going to say a prayer. And listen, you can repeat this prayer with me. You can do it out loud. You can do it silently. It's got to come from your heart. And as you, listen, as you do that, be sincere. If you're watching online, Say this prayer with us. If God is touching you in your home, you don't have to be in this building. If God is touching you in your home, say this prayer. If you're backslidden, maybe you walked away from the Lord. Here's one thing I know, you're miserable. Come home, man, come back to Jesus. Jesus has his arms open wide for you to come home. So say this prayer with us. Lord, I confess right now that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And today I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you today for your forgiveness. And right now I'm asking you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, come into my life and guide me. I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior.